Well, hello. I uh, hope you're doing well. You're very welcome along to Heartlines. My name is Shane and this is episode 11. Yes. Now, episode 11, I'm a very special friend and a very special guest. Uh, we're going to have a chat about where he's from, how he influenced to get me on ships and also just about like who he is as a person. I find he's a very interesting person. I hope you find him very interesting as well. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce my very good friend, Gary. So Gary, tell us where you're from or no, tell us, tell us about yourself, Gary. Well, I'm from South Africa. South Africa, uh, yes. I've been here now, what, 17 years? 17. Okay, 17 years, Gary. Okay, so I'm, I, just, I just want uh, people to know, uh, how, how do you know me? Do you, like, how many years uh, do you know me? Many years? I don't know. I think I met you, what, 2010, 2011, somewhere around yeah, there. That's it. Do you remember the first time you met me and, and the first thing you said to me when you met me? Hell no. I can't remember the first thing I said. <laughs> okay, so basically, basically, it, it had to do with, um, uh, let's just say, uh, medicinal. Okay, so you, you said to me, can oh, I, right. yeah, yeah. can I, can I have, can, can I, can I grow some medicinal um, stuff in your place? And I was like, hmm, that's my first yeah, introduction to this. <laughs> this man no yeah no exactly yeah i was like okay uh, a lot of people don't ask me these things very often now gary you're from south africa okay tell me about south africa so i've never been to south africa i'll tell me about south africa tell me about like where you're from in south africa your upbringing and what's your what's your um story on south africa let's go back a bit uh, with you gary well i was um i was born in durban durban okay so where locationally where's durban in south africa it's on the east east coast of south africa yeah it's uh it it was a very sort of English type of city, you know, um, very much a, a holiday place for South Africans to go to. Yeah. Also had a had a big port. Well, well it has a big big port uh, on the Indian Indian Ocean, you know. Okay. Yeah. And uh, a lot of trade used to go through there. But anyway, I didn't stay there long. Um, my folks moved up to East Rand, which is. Uh, basically around Johannesburg where all the gold mines are. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, they, they, they moved up there. My father worked on the mines for a bit and then, uh, he became a traveling salesman. Mm. Um, he had two kids from a previous marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, when I was about five, I was put in boarding school because, my mom and dad had split up and my mom couldn't take care of me. So she put me in a, uh, a government institution really for broken families. And uh, I, I grew up there in boarding school uh, yeah. and that kind of, I just stayed in boarding school until I finished high school. From there, I went into the army. I was in the army for about yeah. three and a half years. What did you serve as in the army? What did you do in the army, Gary? I was an auto electrician in the army. I was a parachute battalion for just on three years. And there they found out I did art. So they made me in charge of the paint shop. <laughs> I had to panel beat vehicles and uh, spray paint them, get them ready for uh, operations. They also did uh, air supplies. So I used to throw supplies out with the uh, parachute soldiers. That that was quite exciting. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'll... I left the army, uh, sort of fell around for a few years, uh, and then I ended up in in theater. They had a well, they have a big opera house there called the Sun Duplessis Theater, and I started there uh, as a stagehand uh, and uh, went on as technical stage manager of the experimental theater there. And then yeah. from there, I went on to to do lighting. Yeah. 
and eventually became head of lighting for a short period, and then I got injured. So I went off to Johannesburg. Um, this this all happened in Bloemfontein, which is yeah. the main agricultural capital of South South Africa. Uh, I then went on to become a tour guide and chauffeur in Johannesburg. Um, did a lot of tours around the country, did a lot of uh, chauffeur driving around the country. Uh, this was at the time when uh, apartheid had fallen. Yeah. Nelson Mandela, uh, uh, Nelson, Nelson Mandela had been released from jail and from, from prison. And then yeah. was they had these, they had these talks uh, with 42 different political parties that sat down and uh, negotiated a new constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, and soon after that, uh, I was told, well, if you want to carry on doing English-only work, you have to have a black skin. <laughs> yeah, so I then started looking for work uh, on cruise ships. I went off, uh, started as an entertainment host on cruise ships. I finished my first contract there, and then I went on to become a lighting technician. This was all on celebrity cruises. Mm-hmm. I met my wife there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I haven't been, I haven't been mentioned the names of the, the cruise companies I, I worked for personally. But yeah, if you want to mention it, it's all good. Um, but no, I, I know... I oh yeah I I know you um have experience on ships um but let's go back to uh, apartheid what was it like what was it like in in South Africa at the time of apartheid or during before during and after apartheid what what uh, what was South Africa did South Africa change for you much did did, did the political uh, the sphere change or did the did the the country change as a, like a, you know racial kind of indifference was there much was was there a big change in in the country or was it just was it was it just a gradual shift because it was a different political kind of element going on well look apartheid started in uh, 1948 oh, okay and uh, before then um well even even at 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 that time south africa was an english colony yeah okay and um the English had imposed a segregated system, um, which was already well in place by the time uh, 1948 came around. Mm. Uh, the National Party started to, uh, yeah, so, so to just basically sum it up, uh, when the National Party came into power, uh, they took a segregated system and called it apartheid. Now, apartheid is the Afrikaans word for separateness, uh, okay. basically for each, for each group of people that, that were living there. Uh, they had four des- designations. Uh, yeah. you, had, uh, you had blacks, whites, yeah. coloreds, and Indians. Yeah. Now, colored was a mix between black and white people and then you had indians from india which had come there during the indentured labor policies of the english government and they were brought in mostly to work the sugarcane field yeah uh, down in down in natal but anyway uh, i was only born in 1961 uh, that was uh, a time when hendrik Verwoerd uh, took the apartheid system and made it law and this uh, this this caused a heavy rift in between all the designated races okay. of that period. Uh, people were moved from their from their homes and put into, you know, coloured areas, yeah. black areas. Yeah. What we 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 called them town, townships. Every single 
town or city in South Africa had a township, which was just for okay. black people. Would the whites have been wealthy and, and, and the black people less so, or, 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 or just that would, would that have mattered? Yes, that would have mattered, definitely. Let me, let me give you some kind of idea. The laws, uh, these, these were racist laws. I mean, there was, okay. there was no, there's, there's nothing ambiguous about, it. uh, they were racist laws yeah. and, um, what that did is it created opportunities for some groups and it created absolute, uh, poverty for others. Now yeah. they were, they, they were rich, uh, uh, black people, yeah. rich coloreds. There were a lot of very rich Indians, Yeah, but the education education opportunities uh business opportunities they were all skewed towards white white people so so um as a as a as a white person you were actually very privileged uh, but it didn't mean that you were wealthy yeah okay uh, i i didn't grow up rich i grew up very poor mm-hmm. um I knew a lot of white people that didn't have the op- you know couldn't couldn't make use of the uh, racist opportunities that yeah. were actually there. Yeah, you know, they, it still cost you money to to get in. You know, yeah. you still had to know. So uh, people like myself and quite a lot of others, uh, we were just ordinary Joe soaps mm. struggling to get ahead. Yeah, but you know, all your government jobs, for instance, like uh, working on the railways, uh, management positions, all that sort of thing, went to white people. Mm. So when the apartheid system fell, all of those jobs then were handed over to black people. Okay. So that then that then created uh, a very strong poor white society in in South Africa, and that's what you have today. You have if if you've got money, you're okay. If you haven't got money, you are really falling through the cracks. You are oh, now really? starting to live. You're now starting to live like uh, black people used to live in townships and uh mm. really struggling yeah so that's that's what's going on today but in in my day you know we as as white people we weren't allowed to have black friends for instance oh really completely against yeah it was it, it, if 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 you were found going into a black township for instance mm. uh to socialize with black people uh, especially during the 70s and 80s, you mm. were you were considered to be a you you were conspiring against the state, especially okay. if you were in a group of black people. Yeah, you couldn't, for instance, have uh, a black girlfriend. Sex between the races was completely taboo. If you yeah. were caught, you had a six-year jail term. Seriously, it was a mandatory six-year, yeah. or or could it, could 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 it and, be tested? Or would, no, we means tested? No. no. You get six years no. in prison. Six years in prison because oh you goodness. made love to a black girl. Wow. That's how bad it was. You know. Yeah. It was a very difficult it was a very difficult, I would say a very in inhuman period. Yeah. Because it didn't it didn't take in, into consideration that you're a human being, you know. Uh, part of the apartheid system really did put you as a white person uh, above any other races in insofar as you were the superior race. You know, it's a bit like, you know, in 1948, uh, when um, Henrik Verwood started the National Party, he he uh, he had just come from Holland. He, he was a Dutch politician, and he brought the racist policies of Europe at that time. He brought it to, 
to South Africa. And that seemed to make a lot of sense for, for the National Party, you know. It- it, there's a well. There's a lot of there's a lot of Dutch kind of uh, surnames like Vandenberg. Um, uh, what's it? Van der Van, like uh, Van der Fleer. All these kind of like there's, these are Dutch kind of names. Would you say your name is is yes. your name a German second name? Ellebeck is it El- Ellebeck German? Yeah, it's a it's a German name. Uh, it was actually Allebach. Allebach. And uh, that changed. Yeah. Yeah. That was changed to. Ellebeck, when they uh, left Germany and went to Scotland, uh, that was, I think, during the Hundred Years' War. Yeah. Um, they uh, escaped Germany and went off to Scotland, and their family moved down to Bradford. Yeah. And from there, from there, they went all over the world. You know, so you'll find us everywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, the Dutch. Uh, Dutch influence in South Africa would the, would the Dutch have influenced the language at all because I know there's different languages spoken in South Africa is Afrikaans a variant of Dutch or is there a, a language in South Africa that is has a has a Dutch kind of element to it Afrikaans is a creole that was created in South Africa with okay a, with a dominant with with a predominantly Dutch base but of Afrikaans is made up of Dutch German French and Malay. It's a hybrid language. They yeah. they brought a lot of they, they they brought a lot of Malay slaves. The Dutch did, you know. Yeah. And so so in the Afrikaans language, you have quite a lot of Malay words. You have quite a yeah. few um, uh, Hottentot words, uh, uh, some Kosa words. Uh, you have quite a lot of German, French. Yeah. Because you had the German and French. French Huguenots that came down yeah. later on, you know. One one of the reasons I've not been in South Africa, I guess, because I guess parts of, like I've seen like I've I've heard Johannesburg is quite an unsafe city. Is that true, or is it has that perception, or is that reality changed about Johannesburg? Is it a safe city to live in? It's not a safe city, no. Yeah. Well, I'll put it to you this way: I left South Africa in two thousand. Okay. So I can't tell you what it is now, but there is okay. still there's there's a much wider gap between rich and poor there now. And my brother still lives there. Yeah. Sorry? You still have family there, so you still have you still have links yeah, yeah. to South Africa. Yeah, I still have family there. I go there every now and then uh, just to see the family. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a complex story, you know. Yeah. To, to give you an idea, when they had this uh, meeting between the political parties, uh, mm. this this was in 1994. Uh, it, was, it was called the Codessa Co- Co- Talks. Now, okay. at the Codessa talks, you had a lot of observers from all over the world. You had ambassadors and all this sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, what they did there is they wrote the new constitution and they wrote all the apartheid laws out of the constitution. Oh, okay. So then, then when uh, Mr. Mandela came into power, he was only in power for four years. And then he appointed Thabo Mbeki to come into power. Mm. From the day that he came into power, the constitution has been systematically undermined to rewrite all of those apartheid laws back into the system in favor of black people. Mm. So what you have now is you now have a new apartheid country. It, it's, under it, it, the it, it, is, uh, has it shifted? Uh, has the power yeah. shifted? Or, is, or is, is, there, is there a similar power between you know, race? No, this is now numbers-based. You have ten black people to one white person. So what they've done now is they've they've brought in laws like affirmative action, where you have to employ, according to the 
racial spectrum of the country. So in other words, you have to have 10 black people, one white person, probably one Indian person, yeah. and one colored person. You know, so that's kind of how the system is set up now. Mm. So what that means is um, it's very difficult for ordinary people who have the wrong skin color to be able to work, to be able to earn a decent living. Um, and uh, I can tell you now, uh, white people are not loved in South Africa. Now, the reason I, I wanted to bring up South Africa to you, because like any South African I've met on ships, I feel they understand the country's politics. And I'm not, I, I'm not one to know much about politics. That's I'm talking to you because you, you understand the policies of a country. Even though you're away, you still keep abreast of what's going on because you're very passionate. But I feel even young people today, like mid-20s, 30s, they understand that, that, that country and, and, and they love that country. But maybe they're on ships because, you know, this is an opportunity to, to be themselves and not have to be concerned about, you know, whatever issues are going on in the country. Is there, would, would, would that whole water me saying that people are on board because it's, is it safer to be on a cruise ship or no? A cruise ship's probably... Uh, one of the safest places for South Africans to be black or white doesn't matter. Yeah. Because, because the, on, on cruise ships, there are very, very strict race uh, law. Yes. I mean, you, you know, you, you cannot be a racist on a ship. You no, cannot you, go and, mm. you know, do, do any of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's a great leveling field for yeah. people to work. You'll, you'll find a lot of South Africans work on cruise ships because it's the only place they can get work that doesn't judge them on the basis of the color of their skin. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Every, everywhere else you have this uh, constraint um, in, in South Africa any, anyway, this constraint of, of your skin, your skin color. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, a lot of people around the world will say, oh, well, white people got, got what they deserve, you know, there's there's some truth in that. Mm. I I won't I won't argue with it. Yeah. When I left, uh, there'd been over five thousand farmers mm. that'd been murdered on the farm, and that number is growing every single day. Now you can imagine yeah. now when I left, when I left, the number was five thousand. This is now nineteen years later. How many more South Africans, white South Africans, have been murdered on the farms? You know, it's it's written down as random crime. But let me explain something to you. Before the vote to abolish apartheid, these crimes were called a political murders. The day the ANC came in, the narrative changed to random crime. Call it what you like. Yeah. You know, um, I, I just really feel for the farmers there. They are constantly under siege. I, I knew a few South Africans on board my previous contracts and I knew one soloist on board and he was very like he had, he told story like harrowing stories about you know issues with crimes and stuff and very violent crimes you know but I guess crime can happen anywhere I'd say that's one thing you you notice differently when you move to Ireland it's a totally different world do you, would you think? Ireland is one of the safest places in the world to live yeah I would tell you yeah yeah um, when you moved here, were you surprised, or or, or were you were you did you miss home? You know, because you're always going to miss home when you're when you're away from home, so far away. But did you were you surprised about Ireland? Were you curious about Ireland? Were you just happy to be somewhere that wasn't South Africa, or that that you felt safe? You know, uh, I don't miss South Africa at all. Oh, okay. Uh, South Africa was was never particularly good to me as as a South Africa as a, as a, as a person. Okay. 
South Africa is a place where you are constantly looking over your shoulder. Uh, you're, you're always looking out for danger. There's a, there's a certain amount of, of, of aggression that you have to maintain uh, just to survive and to feel safe. In, in Ireland, you don't have any of that. No, I don't. In Ireland, yeah. this is an extremely safe place yeah. to live. Yeah. Um, yes, of, of, of course, you get a lot of gobshites that are running around. Maybe they'll steal your car. Yeah. Maybe they'll break into your house and they'll steal for a few sure. things. Yeah. Not in South Africa. Yeah. In South Africa, they'll break into your house. Yeah. They'll steal everything you got. Yeah. They'll rape your wife. They'll rape your daughter. They'll make you watch and they'll keep you hostage for days on end. That's the kind of crime and violence that you have to deal with in South Africa. In Ireland, there's none of that stuff. Over here, you've got a few drug problems and you've got a few, you know, uh, kids taking a car for a joyride. Yeah, That's about yeah. as bad as yeah. it gets. So you don't get murdered in your house. There's you know? no, you don't feel hostile here. You don't feel this hostility. You feel like it's a, it's, no, it's a safe country. That. You felt like it is an opportunity for you to, to, to develop here and, and grow and, and, and live. And you have, you're here 17 years, a long time, man. Yeah. That's a good. Ireland's a, very, Ireland's a fabulously safe, safe place. I can tell you that now. Yeah. I've been living, I've been living in a camper van for the last seven years and I've parked in the same place for seven years and nobody has come to bother me. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely nobody. You wouldn't last a day in South Africa, like I'm not saying you personally. Hypothetically, nobody would, would last a day in South Africa, like really. Like okay, unless you're out in the middle of the bush somewhere where yeah. there's no people within a hundred miles. You yeah. Know? Well, if, if you wanted to do that in a city, you'd yeah. be dead today. Yeah. That's why I, I see South Africa's priority is so I, I feel I ha- I want to talk about this. I want to because I don't understand because for me when I was growing up, I you know, like I'm I I, I guess I'm from, I'm from I'm from a privileged uh, uh, world because I didn't have any fears or or, or or that like hostility fairly community based just got got on with my life and I didn't have any uh, you know concerns about you know well, I'm from Tala, yeah, but people, I'm from Tala, and Tala gets a reputation. But where the part, the place, I, the the Tala I'm from, as 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 one of my friends from Ballymun says, posh Tala. To be honest, it's it, you have a good community, you have a you have a good community spirit, and and, and it, it's a it's it's that's how I've been brought up, you know. But I'm sure other people have have different uh, uh, perceptions of where me, they're from me, or, or perspectives. Yeah, but Shane, let me let me give you an example. Like for instance, when when I was young and I was growing up, we we didn't have any of that looking over your shoulder and 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 being worried about life. We didn't have any of that. We had normal up, upbringing. You must remember there was not just the separation of the races in different areas. There was a curfew yeah. night. If black people were found on the street after 10 o'clock at night, yeah. they were locked up. They were locked up. That's it. Kept off the streets. So as, as a young child, as a, as a teenager, you didn't mm. have any of those fears. It was a, it was a fabulous place yeah. for us to grow up. Later on, after I finished school and going into the 80s, uh, things started to slowly change that by the 90s, um, it became a, a, a real dangerous place to live. So no, you might say that from a socio-economic point of view, mm-hmm. you and I actually had the same kind of upbringing, you know? Yeah, yeah. We had a very similar similar way of life. Yeah, yeah. But that's what changed. Young, young people today in South Africa can't do that. It's way too dangerous for them to do that. 
Okay, so we're, we're going to change tack now. Um, so you mentioned that you, you worked on ships. Now, now the thing, the reason I went on ships is because of you. So I don't know if I, sh- I should thank you or I, sh- or I should uh, scold you and tell you, why did you? Why did you do this, Gary? No, but the reason I'm, I'm having you on, because I wanted, I want to say that you were the reason because when I was in, I was living in Scotland and I had that decision to make and sometimes you in life you got you make decisions and if you don't make that decision your life can go a different path you know and because i made that decision i went on board a cruise ship and i got a taste for it and then i, I went on and I, I done what i wanted to do which was an entertainment kind of job what you done and you, and then you even backed up and said you could do this because you'd be suited to that role you're, you're good with people you're good at, at selling yourself and and you have fun and I think that's what goes back to what's going back to as well because you know me for since 2010, 2010, 2011. For me, you've been you've been my best housemate because you just you just you're very chill, you know, and and you just we never got we never had any issues, and you know, living with people can be difficult, you know, like can be problematic because always there's always politics, you know, to to live with people. So with me and you, we just got along. Remember the first time again when you moved in. Do you remember you had your room upstairs and you also had a room? What did you have in the room beside the beside the uh, beside the sitting room? What was in that room? It was all my stuff, man. All your stuff. You just almost you like collected stuff. Room like, full of stuff. I don't know where you you must you must have got a, a ship to bring that over, man. You had every like you had like nuts and bolts and screws and everything. Man, you really you, you, same, you know you I, collected a lot of stuff know, over your life, you know. When when I came to South when I, when I, when I came to Dublin, yeah, uh, all my stuff basically was on one little pallet. Yeah. But by the time uh, my wife and I had split up, yeah, I I had accumulated enough stuff for a three bedroom house. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, you literally you 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 had this you had two bedrooms really, you know, you had one upstairs and one downstairs. Well, I mean, I had uh, you know, I I I had a workshop in the back. Yeah. Uh, I had a studio upstairs, you know. Oh, okay, yeah. Stuff, yeah. Know. I had like 250 books, you know. I had, I had like a big library full of stuff, you know. But oh my god. It's almost it's hard to let go, and I, look, I've no experience because I haven't made I made I haven't made those like life the big life decisions where you have to you know put all your life into a house, for example. That's that's a big commitment to put all your, you know your energy into a house, and then you have a house, and then you have to leave the house, and then you moved in to not your house, and then you had most of your possessions in in the place we were living in, and that's a lot of a that's a lot of emotions there, you know, and a lot of a lot of your past is there, and well, let me tell you. Um, it's the hardest and also the most liberating thing to to shed all your all your belongings. Mm. And I had to shed everything. Yeah, absolutely everything. You know, everything I got now just fits in my van, and that's yeah. it. But that's that's the thing when you when you live if you're living like some people like live on ships literally live on ships they go home they might stay family or might go away for a few months and go back on a ship so the thing about living on ships you learn to kind of like minimalize you learn to not bring so much stuff with you because you don't know where you're going to put that stuff you know unless you have a lockup or a friend who will keep your stuff you don't have that space you know and you have a bit of space now with with the van but um you don't have the space to to keep all those massive like earthly possessions. Yeah, no, I had to let all of it go. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> well, I I'll put my hand up and say when I I decided to leave and, and move to the UK and I kind of left you there, but I kind of I, I kind of pushed you into in, into gear to start thinking I can't keep all this stuff forever, you know. Even though we all need need to keep stuff for ourselves, but. I think that, that that was a turning point for you to, to to move all your stuff out, you know? So in a way, I'm motivated to, to get rid of your stuff, but you also had some stuff that you had to keep as well because 
you, you can't forget the past, you know, you have to. Well, what actually happened is when your, when your dad sold a house, I had mm. to find somewhere else to live. Yeah. Uh, so that, uh, that meant I gave about three quarters of my stuff away to charity. Yeah. And then uh, I was living in this house in Walkenstown. Yeah. And the guy, the, the guy down, downstairs burnt my door down. <laughs> So then I realized, hang on a second, I've got to, I've got to make a plan, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, then I had to have some surgery because uh, my shoulder was shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You told and, me that. And the land, and and the landlord wasn't wasn't willing to to give me a break until I could get back to work. So I then bought the van and I gave everything else away. Those were the hardest to give away because those were like all my little collectibles, you know. Yeah, you had a lot, of, you had a lot of things like you collected, and even even your room. Like I remember your room. My room was beside your room, and you walk into my room, and there's no nothing. It's very bare. The walls are barren. There's there's nothing in it. It's very cold and 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 drab. And you walk into your room. And it's like being, uh, it's like being transported to like a, an African village, you know, like it's incense coming, incense, I hope incense were coming out the door. And there was like, you know, all sorts of, yeah, like you made the house a home. That's what you, you made that house a home. You had little masks on the wall. You had little artistic pieces uh, all over, you know, you made it a home, you know, when it was really just a place for lodgers, lads just to come and, and lay down. And we, we had a home and that was great. And then I had to say goodbye to it. And I, 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 I was, I was, was not like, I just had to go. I, I felt I had to go. And I, you, when you have to go, you have to go, you know? Yeah, you have to go and spread your wings a bit. That's it, spread my wings, yeah. No, but no, but you got me. You got me on the ships, and you told me just give it a go. And you're right. And then you t- you you worked on ships as well. But like the, when you when you worked on ships, okay, the first time you worked on ships, what year? What year was it when you when you got your first job on a ship? Two thousand, yeah. Two thousand. Your first, you got your first contract on a ship in two thousand. And like that's twenty years ago. Was there what was there a big market uh, in South Africa? Is it easy to find like a job in South Africa back in two thousand to work on a ship? No. No, but uh, but uh, there there were agencies that that were recruiting. You know. Yeah. Um, I found an agent in Johannesburg, and um, I went for an interview with him. We had this long induction and yeah. so on of what ships are like and so yeah. on. Yeah. And because I was working as a tour guide, they suggested I I try to get in as an entertainment host. Yeah. Well, then I had to go down to Cape Town because that was the main agent down mm. down down there. Mm-hmm. So uh, it took about a year for me to get onto my first ship, and I was very badly suited to the job of entertainment host. <laughs> I tell you why. I tell you why. Because as a tour guide, uh, you are you are doing your entertainment, so to, so to speak, from a knowledge base. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah knowledge so, is very important. Uh, you are finding stories under every rock that makes the place that they're in colorful. Yeah. When you, when you go on cruise ships, suddenly yeah. you're doing bingo and karaoke yeah. with a thousand, with a thousand five hundred passengers. Yeah. And you've you got to walk around with a smile on your face. Yeah. You know, eventually I just had a grimace on my face. <laughs> you can't have an off day, can you? You got to always be on. You got to be, always be your fun self. Yeah, fun no, Gary. It's a, little bit, it's a little bit too much for me, you know? So then I, uh, I spoke to the production manager to see if I could get into lighting. Yeah. So we arranged that we, 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 we arranged that for my next contract. So I did two contracts as a lighting technician. And then of course I met my wife. She was working in the spa. Yeah. She was from Dublin. Uh, yeah. We came down here we got married, uh, yeah. started a family. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's how I came to Ireland. 
but um, the only work I could get in Ireland was as a security guard. And security, um, as as good a job yeah. as it is, I found it very very frus- frustrating because I'm a I'm a creative person. You know? Yeah, that, a, yeah, for sure. I'm, I need a creative yeah. outlet, you know. And uh, this went on for 13 years, and I was eventually just pulling my hair out and I decided, well, there's no reason for me to stay in Ireland. My son is still young. You know, he was only eight years old at the time. And uh, I um, got onto my previous bus and he got me onto um, Seaborne Cruises as a production manager. Okay. And I found I was so, I, I was, I was like a fish out of water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the simple reason is that all the technology had changed. Ships had changed quite drastically pressure on production to provide uh, technical support to all of the entertainment venues was overwhelming um, yeah it, it's really like so, vegas style kind of like planning the shows yeah. the show must go on yeah. there's you know there's two three shows a day um you gotta make sure everything's yeah. you know in order everything's running fine and and yeah. the, the guests are happy you know yeah, and it's a rehearsal every afternoon and two shows mm. every night, Yeah, uh, plus all the other venues that are going on. So I decided to leave production management and try to take a step back into assistant production manager as yeah. a light technician. I then got work uh, with Piano Cruises and yeah. I stayed with them for, for just on five years, I think. Uh, and I stopped working at sea in November. Uh, the bottom line for me was I... I could not function calmly anymore. The stress started to get to me. Yeah, that, that's it. Were you were you getting were were you feeling anxious when you were told to do something, or were you thinking, I know what I'm doing. Trust me, what I'm doing, and I'll get it done. As as assistant production manager, uh, I was in charge of the main theatre. So what that meant is between the sound guy and myself, we were both. Uh, assistant production managers we had yeah. to make sure that that the shows were that that the product was delivered acceptably so in other words they, they'd come to you and say oh well we've 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 got these speakers on and you know during the day especially on a sea day it's extremely busy you know so yeah. you'll have all these guest speakers come on and you'll have all these other events happening right throughout the ship i had a twofold job basically i was responsible for the lighting for the for the entertainment lighting in all the venues across the whole ship yeah i had to make sure that all of that equipment was working was properly programmed that the pro, that the uh, uh operators on the lighting desks were properly trained that they could carry out their duties correctly. Any problems that were happening, I had to go and troubleshoot it. Mm. I had to fix the equipment. In in the in the main theater, we had all the production shows and uh, I, I had to make sure that those production shows were up to standard for every single production. So if you have a light that breaks, I have to find something else that's gonna um, compensate for that. The shows had to start on time. God help you if you were a minute late. You know, everything had to be running like clockwork all the time. So you're, you're always up against it when, when you're working with, with equipment. Uh, you know, mm. lights, lights break and then the video yeah. doesn't work. And then the programming on the lighting desk has to be updated. You yeah. know, because 
you know, this, that, and the other thing is going wrong, and then you update it, and then nothing's working, so you've got to fix that, you know? What I mean? Yeah, it this is... didn't stop. It was constant. Yeah. But I very... found the hardest, the, 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 the hardest part was basically to, to get people to do what you needed them to do when you needed them to do. I'll bring it back to, or well, I won't bring it back to, I'll, I'll, I'll say... It, as a, a light technician or even in, in, in the production side of the things, because I was on the opposite side and I was always called in the production, well, not the light technician, that was a different story. I was always called in the sound technician over to help me with the microphones, the karaoke, because I didn't have a clue about like uh, how to use these things. I, I, well, how to, you know, troubleshoot. If, well, if they gave me the tools to fix it, I'd fix it. But the, the more technical stuff, I wouldn't want to be playing with like electricity, you know? I, I, I was just there to entertain the guests. I, I, I didn't have the the know-how of understanding production but with the lighting okay would you say it's it's very important to have a very strong team when you're in, in the lighting department or production department or, or, or like or like any team anyone around across the across the ship and whatever team it is teamwork is very is vital on board you have to have a strong team and, and you have to train your lads up you know yeah, because they'd get someone coming in from the laundry someone to, to come and uh, work on stage yeah and they know they would they would know nothing about what things are called There's, how to lift big sets yeah. safely across you know across the stage yeah uh and then i would i would find the brightest one amongst them that was in that 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 had an interest in lighting and then i would yeah. train him up train yeah. train him up on the on the on the lights to make sure yeah. that he uh he knows how to fix a light how yeah. to program a light how to plug it in yeah and then I would train him up on the desk. So all of these uh, uh, crew that work on stage, uh, most of them uh, would have some interest in production. Like mm. back at home, they, they, they might have been involved with a disco, yeah. uh, you know, setting up the sound equipment, or yeah. you'd have others that, that would have an interest in school plays, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, all all of those people would come in to be working on the, on the, on the stage. Yeah, to have a grounding. Yeah. But uh, it's it's a mad world on 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 ships. It's not like working in theatre on on land. On on land, you would have a if if you had a main production would come in. It might be on for a week, mm-hmm. okay. And during during the build up to that, you would have to hang all these lights in a particular position. Yeah, you'd have to focus them. You'd have to work with a lighting designer to to build the show. Yeah. And then you would have to run the show for a week. And then at mm-hmm. the end of the week, you'd, you'd, you'd change the position of all the lights for the next production that comes in, etc. But on ships, you, you're working with uh, uh, fixed lighting, mostly moving light, but they've, they're fixed in their position. Um, so you have quite a lot of flexibility to yeah. have a different entertainer can come in every night and you can have a different show programmed for him every night. This doesn't always happen on land, uh, but on ships, uh, it's a constant wheel that's constantly yeah. turning. Uh, and, and then you'd, you'd have, say, eight production shows. But in the meantime, they're going to scrap one of the production shows and they're going to put a new one in. Mm-hmm. And so, that would take maybe two months for that show to be installed. And during this time, you still have to run the whole schedule yeah. that's normally yeah, there. Yeah. And, yeah. You have to, and you have yeah. to put all your extra time yeah. in work on on the in, in, install of the new show yeah so this 
this eventually got on my nerves. You know, I just got tired. I, I really got so exhausted. I, I just found I couldn't deal with it any, any anymore. You know, I'm not a young man, you know, and crawling on my knees all day, plugging, <laughs> plugging lights in is not a fun thing to do. It's a constant uh, state of flux and change. That's what happens on ships. Yeah, got to be ready for anything that, that happens. You know, it, like that's the thing. Like it's not like on land you have it. You can go out and source the the bit of equipment. You might have to wait till the next port, and that might be three or four days down the line. And you have to just go without. You have to improvise. You know, you 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 learn a lot about yourself. You know, you learn so much about like how you deal with pressure or how you deal with certain situations, and you become better. I feel I become a better person. I, I think more strategically. Do you feel you think a bit bit more strategically? Even even though you have that pressure, you still become like more, you're, you're very steely focused on what you have to do. You have to do a job, you have to go, okay, do this, do this, do this, do that. And you can't really kind of get laxed on it. You have to be very, very focused on it because it's got to be done. If it's not done, on your head be it, you know? Yeah. Um, for me, it was more a question of delivering the product. Yeah. Like for instance, the, the entertainment manager would, would decide that at this time of the day or this time of the night, particular event is going to happen and, and that event has to happen in the most professional way that you can possibly deliver it with the equipment that you got and it has to be of an acceptable standard so that the passengers are satisfied with what is being presented to them exactly yeah so when when they do a show install you would you would have all the uh, creative team from shoreside would come on and they would install the show and they would they would they would install the uh, you know the sets and the lights and they would program yeah. everything they'd program the sound desk and they'd program the lighting desk to speak to the sound desk so mm. it's got time code for all these cues to happen at the right time when when they leave it's the lighting technician's job to maintain that standard every production has mm. to be at that standard yeah and that's the hard part so as a production team every single person uh is is expected to perform at a reasonably high professional standard the main guys would be like like on our ship it was uh, uh three assistant production managers mm. two of them were sound and myself which was light and then you'd have the stage the stage manager those four people do the work the production manager plans the work yeah and the entertainment manager decides what work has to be done so he'll come to the production manager and say okay i want this to happen on this time in this venue production mm. manager will then go to the assistant production managers and he will tell them what has to be done and we have to carry it out so any problems that are experienced we have to sort them out before we go to the production manager and yeah. say this is the problem that we can't sort out by ourselves we need yeah. other things would you say that if would the change on a bigger ship versus a smaller ship so a, a bigger ship in the fleet versus a small ship is it going to be the same kind of challenges that, that you face as a, a line technician it's an interesting question the reason why i say that is because each company each shipping company has their own way of dealing with things yeah and and their own way of of well, the company i was working for mm. you had a theater company who would provide the shows which would yeah. be the dancers, the singers, and they would have basically a particular show that they now are trying to put on each ship. So the standard of entertainment would be practically the same because the concept of the show would yeah. be the same on each ship. 
Now you've got eight different shows. So it, it simplifies the creative factory to train the dancers in the same sort of move, but on different size stages. Because each ship has got, their, their theaters are different. The stages are maybe different sizes. So yeah. the set will still be the same show. Let's, let's call a show like Astonishing. Yeah. Astonishing was a, magic, was, was, was a magic song and dance show. But it would look different on each ship, although they'd have pretty much the same show. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah. You know, so it'll be the, yeah. it'll be the same show with basically the same tricks. Yeah. But they'd I, be carried out, you know, it, they, they'd literally have to build different sets for each stage, but it'll still be the same show. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, I, I found that with the company I work for as well. There was different, sh- well, the bigger ships might have had like more d- different shows and like some shows would be on a lot of ships and other shows we might be exclusive to certain certain class ships. But I guess I, I didn't work it in your side of things. I just kind of worked assisting the, the entertainment team Which or being part of the entertainment team. Shane, you know, to get back to the other part of your question, bigger ship would have bigger crews, bigger production crews, and you would have more venue. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So from a production manager's point of view and from the the main lighting technician's point of view, it's a lot more work. But you have a lot more people to delegate the work to. Yeah. On a small ship, you've got much less crew and you are still providing practically the same program. You, you're still busy, you know, from morning right the way through till one, one two in the morning every single day. Yeah. From nine o'clock in the morning, those shows are going on right through until twelve o'clock at night, and then you still have to strike and build the set for the next day. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a smaller ship, it can often be a lot harder because you've got less people doing the same amount of work, even though there are less venues. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, it still works out like one one guy's actually doing yeah. twice the work that, that, that the same guy would be doing yeah. on a big ship. You know? So sometimes bigger ships are easier. And also the bigger ships are usually newer ones and they'll have the latest equipment. So you're working with state of the art, whereas on the smaller ships, you're working with old, old equipment that's breaking, you know, and you've got to constantly maintain these things. Yeah. Pain in the ass, man. Real yeah. pain in the ass. Oh, okay. the ships are what it is. Yeah. So yeah, you've you've worked on you've done you've done a, a number of contracts at this stage. Now after after I left to, to to move to Scotland, actually you a year after you were back on board a ship. So I I was a I was the reason in a way you went back on ships and you were the reason I first joined ships. But also you you mentioned that you're you're a very creative person. I noticed that in you. You have one very interesting thing about you is that you wrote a book. Can you tell us about the book you wrote, Gary? This one. Oh, he's got the book. <laughs> I was gonna ask you where is it? Yeah, for sure. Now, what what what's the book about? What's the genre of the book? It's a science fiction book. Yeah. Okay. Science science fiction fantasy. You know. Yeah. Um, it's called Coda: Journey of a Freeborn Clone XN5. Now, XN5 is a is a moon that he's born on. Okay. This is not on Earth. It's got nothing to do with Earth. It's uh, it's 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 in a universe out in the multiverse and uh they've now let's assume that cloning is 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 normal yeah okay so they would design clones for specific tasks like you'd have mm. aqua miners for instance yeah so these clones can breathe underwater while they work etc. yeah now essentially the idea is that clones cannot reproduce but every now and then you'll have something happen yeah right and coda is one of those something happens so he's basically yes. a freeborn clone. He's an anomaly. Yeah. So I I would say uh, 
I, I, I didn't address this question very well, but I'm, I'm still kind of building on it. There's still much more to write. But the idea and the question I ask is, if clones were made by someone, mm-hmm. does a clone have a soul? Does he have a spirit? Does he have consciousness? And if so, uh, what is the difference between a human being and a clone? Because they both feel the same things, don't they? Can they feel the same things? Do, yeah. do they have a right to feel the same thing? Well, it, it, it is an interesting read. I, I did read it, and I, I, you, you gave it to me, and, and, and I, I gave it to a friend after. I actually found it very interesting, and you, you did say you are going to do a part two or a part three. I think you should get back to writing that, uh, Gary. I mean, at this stage, you know, during lockdown or, or quarantine, it's a good chance to, to try something different. Hence, I started this project uh, or this podcast. I had, I had plans of starting this kind of into the new year. And then once things, you know, went the way they were, like for the last 10 weeks, I've been producing episode upon episode. And I'm, I'm happy I started it because like if I didn't, if, if, if I kept keeping a long finger, I would never got it done. You know, you got to just start and then go from there, you know? Yeah. It's the hardest thing in the world for you to write a book and start selling it. Now, now people want to have a, a, you know, an audio book or they'll watch a movie or just yeah. have a YouTube video, you yeah. know, give me the sound bites, that's it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So very, very few people actually read, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, of course, with the, the phone generation, we're always on the phone, we're, we're getting all our information on the phone, it's all digital information. Exactly. Now tell me yeah. this, how did you get into writing a book? Because if, if I was going to write a book, I would probably go and research. I, I might go and find someone who like is an editorial kind of person who who's able to, you know, because my... My, my, I, I don't pass level English for my sins, so I wouldn't have a, a good standard of, of English to, to actually physically write a book, and I wouldn't feel comfortable. I'd have to be, I'd have to kind of get some assistance to help me kind of figure out a structure, you know, and, and to, tell, to, to tell the story the way I wanted it. You know, how did you? How did you? Get, did you go to classes? Did you go to workshops? How did you get to start? The, you know, the, the seed to start writing the book? Well, I'll put it to you this way. The only thing I ever wanted to do in my life was to be an artist okay. and a painter. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I, I think I might just go back to that when I, when I, when I finally retire is just paint, paint portraits, you know. Mm. But I've always, wanted, I've, I've always been interested in graphic novels. So as soon as I, oh, I'd love to do a graphic novel, you know. I didn't have a story. <laughs> so I thought, oh, well, shit, now I better go off and write the bloody story myself, you know? Do you mean like manga? Is manga, that's graphic novels or? No, no, it could be my own style, you know? Yeah, but like the, the way you wrote the book, I like the way you kind of, yeah, your sections are off, you know, you, you kind of build the characters up slowly. But also, I think if someone didn't know you and read that book, they would know you because it is fairly graphic and very hedonistic. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of like uh, scenes of a sexual nature and uh, yeah, it's fairly intense, you know. <laughs> everything in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the thing is, uh, what, I, what, what I did was I uh, decided to do a writing course. I mean, I didn't go to class or anything. It was just a cor- correspondence course. Okay. And I did. I, I did quite well at that, but you know, yeah. I couldn't even spell properly when I started. I yeah. still can't spell properly. Yeah. You know, if I didn't have spell spell checker, I'd be lost. But I, I then decided, okay, well, instead of me just writing short stories, why don't I just start writing the book? You yeah. know, but I didn't know what to write about. Um, so then I thought, well, what do I like? You know, I, I, I like science fiction. You know, yeah. so I, I then went off and I, uh, I did a lot of research mm-hmm. on everything I could think of in terms of science fiction. Yeah. 
and then I, I kind of got more interested in in the idea of clones and uh, a bit of space opera as well you know yeah so i thought i'd kind of throw that in there and uh as as i went along i i found i had to create world that didn't exist yeah and well, that i liked yeah. doing because, because it really exercised my my imagination uh because if you're going to write about something that does exist you actually have to know what you're writing about true yeah so from from this point of view i don't really have to know what i'm writing because i'm making it up as i'm going along as long as i can uh make it sound plausible yeah you know if it's a little bit plausible then at, at least the reader might might accept it as such yeah you know? yeah yeah so that that's that's where i started and then uh as, as i went along i thought hell you know i'm, I'm gonna need a bit of help so i joined a, a writer's group uh, yeah uh, they called the ashling writers group yeah very nice people it was a a group of ladies that uh, helped me with absolutely everything yeah they, they they really helped me with you know structure and grammar and you yeah. know I'd, I'd read my stuff to them and they would give me their feedback and you know help me with the editing of the book and so yeah. on. They, they're absolutely in indispensable i'd say for any prospective writer if you feel you have a talent try and find a, a good writers group that you can bounce your stuff off of and uh, get some feedback you know it's very that's good and to give you ideas how to how, how to kind of build the characters and build the storylines and the plot and all yeah. this kind of thing yeah absolutely everything yeah well I was I was fortunate in that uh, the group that I joined did not criticize me in terms of plot and storyline mm. and all yeah. that sort of thing. Um, they they were much more helpful to me in terms of structuring a sentence, uh, how to structure it in such a way it makes the best impact. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Draws them in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so those are the things that I needed to know. Mm. Of course, if I wanted to, if if I wanted to talk about plot and structure and so yeah. on, you know, they would they would give me their feedback, but yeah. uh, that wasn't a reason why I was there. I was actually there to learn how to write. Yeah, because I didn't have a clue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, well, believe it. Yeah, um, even so, I, I, I'm going to be editing the book again. I've got to rewrite a lot of it. There's a few bits that I'm, I need to change. Why do you need to change? Uh, you want you want to change, or you've been told to change, or you've been advised to change? What what what's this? You just want to change? No, I have, I have since been been doing a lot of uh, science fiction reading uh, different different authors I, I can't really name them for you because i don't pay that much attention to it if the story uh draws me in early early in the story uh then i would carry on reading and as as i'm going along i'm starting to find why my book hasn't really created any sort of stir because i i tend to put too much into describing things instead of moving the story along yeah it is very descriptive i find i find the first half it was was kind of it took about half the book to get to the point of like but you and you were kind of you were jumping yeah. forward to, to 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 tell about a character and then going away from that but look to be honest i have not written a book and it, i'm sure it takes it takes time to, to develop you know a, you know to, to structure a book in a way that is, you know, of the ilk of a of a bestseller, you know. Now, how did you get yeah, it? How did you get it published? Near a bestseller, you know? How did you get uh, it? Sorry, say again. How did you get it published? Or did you, was it self-published? These are all questions that if someone was yeah, to write I, a book, I, how would they go? About? Yeah, I self-published. Uh, yeah, self-publishing actually doesn't cost you a lot of money. 
Uh, when you buy your first bunch of books, yeah, that'll cost you some money because once you start marketing it, you have to have something. Yeah. You know, you have to have, uh, you mm. know, like book signings and stuff like that or yeah. basic book launch, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is all, you know, also built a website. Uh, but I found, you know, it, it can take you five years to write a book and then it, then you have to start marketing it, you know? Yeah, that's... Uh, so you're, you're exhausted just from writing the damn thing, yeah, and then yeah. you have to go off and start selling it everywhere. Yeah, and uh, I just, I just ran out of steam, man. Yeah. So basically, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to rewrite the book, not not the whole book, but I'm going to make some changes that I think is needed. Uh, I might restructure it a little bit uh, to make it move along better. Uh, something that'll grab the reader a bit earlier and keep him, you know. And then also, I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe I could try and create a script you know yeah and, uh, a friend of mine is a is a movie maker and he is fairly connected you know he might just pass it on to the right person i never know now do you do you have um do you have the uh the digital copy of it uh, on you on the website yeah you can download it for free oh yes what's what's the website what's the website gmelebeck.com it's available still yeah I'll put a link on on the on the when when, when this is um, up. I'll put a link up, and if anyone wants to read it, it's an interesting read. I I'd recommend it. I mean, it's still a work in progress. I I, I don't think uh, there's there's any artist who would say, okay, I'm finished with the painting. Yeah, because they it, always look at it and see, oh, there's something more that must be done. Of course, yeah, you know? like no no one's perfect, you know. Now, now look, it's my first. It's it's my first attempt at writing exactly music. yeah look you, you, you need know, that. So it's not expected to be successful no exactly <laughs> when, when, you, when you drop two and three that's when we're expecting big things you know that's that's when the that's when hollywood will, will, will come calling now there's a lot how, of very good sci-fi books out. for sure yeah now how has uh how, how has lockdown been for you uh, gary have you have you learned any new skills well i've taken a whole lot more drugs than i normally do <laughs> Gonna have to cut yeah. that bit out. <laughs> okay, I, I've been learning any new skills. <laughs> I don't care if anybody knows. Who cares? Uh, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, uh, uh, it's it's been it's been very frustrating for me because I'm trying to retrain to become a truck driver. Yeah. So I was in the I was in the process of booking my driving lessons when this yeah. thing hit. Social distancing put the end to that. You know? Yeah. Now I'm the same. I'm I'm looking to get my driving lessons. Because I, I'm a late, I'm a late bloomer when it comes to learning to drive. But uh, again, they can't do anything about it at the moment, you know. So yeah, you've just been well, taking yeah. it easy. Well, yeah, I've been trying to numb my mind most of the through this period, you know. And then just when I start gearing up again, they tell us, "Oh no, it's another yeah. like, a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's another month." And, yeah, you know, it looks like now it'll be like maybe end of August. Yeah. So if I'm lucky. I might have a job somewhere in September, you know, yeah. if I'm like a real pain in the ass. Exactly. Keep keep the head down. Now, I've talked to you a few times. Um, what are your future plans apart from book two and three? What what, what are you planning on doing? You, the, is, is, is a truck driving the next step for you? Ship, ship life no more? I'll be driving trucks if I'm lucky, probably for another two years at least. Oh, yeah. And then I will reassess uh, because I'm thinking of going to barber college and training as a barber. You can cut my hair. It's a bit long at the moment. If you want to come over and give it, give it a bash. <laughs> It's a bit long. Everybody needs a haircut. Everyone needs a haircut. Yes, these are these are these are things that like people miss during these times, you know. 
so essentially, you know, I've got uh, probably about another seven years before I can retire. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking to have something that I can do during that period. Yeah. Uh, so if if I can get a barbershop started yeah. within the next, say, four years, I think I that's, get my own yeah. barbershop started, then at least I've got something that will, you know, pull me through because I haven't got a strong pension, you know, just yeah. got a state pension. No, but that's it. I think that's one thing about you. You're always looking to improve yourself and I think maybe Ships has helped, has, has, has given you that push or you're just that kind of person. You always look to learn new skills. You're, you're a hands-on person. So you want to be a barber, you want to be a truck driver, you want to be the best sell, best-selling author. Since you've got lots of dreams, Gary, I love it. Well, I'll put it to you this way. I don't think I'll ever be a, a best-selling author, okay. but I, I, do like, I, I do like writing. Um, and I think in my old age, I'll probably just paint and, and do the odd haircut now and then to keep a little bit going. <laughs> that's good. Good stuff, Gary. You're not, you're not gonna sh- that's what I like about you as well. You don't sugarcoat things. You just say it as it is, you know, and your, your honesty is what I respect, you know. This is another problem I had on the ships, you know, because it's very PC. I would say it how it is, you know. Yeah. I, I won't take bollocks from anybody. Yeah, you've got to toe the line. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if you don't toe the line and be a yes man, you've got a lot of resistance yeah. in your way. From all these sycophants and egotistical maniacs that are running yeah. the show there, yeah, and you know they'll they'll come in and they'll destroy your life and then they fuck off. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there you are standing. Well, what the fuck? What yeah. happened? You know? Yeah. You know? Like I'll, I'll I'll give an example. One of my contracts, I had four different production managers and five different entertainment managers in six months. Know how my head was spinning at the end of that. Each manager has a different style or or vision of how they how they how they want the job to be done. Yeah, uh, if they don't like you, your life is a misery. Yeah, you got a real problem. Yeah, yeah. It's not like as you said on land. You get about breathing space. You've got to just do what they say and just, just stick with the plan. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Gary. Uh, it's been it's been a, a great... hard time, man. Yeah, I no. had a really hard time. I had a you... hard time with ship. Uh, it was hard all the time, and but I gave as good as I got, you know. Okay. Okay. Here's one thing. Tell me, like, what 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 uh, what did you learn about ships that like that you brought to to your life? You know, don't piss anyone off. You've got to get on with people. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Anything Bottom else? Line, you, you you've got to be a nice guy. You must never have a bad day. Always got to have a smile on your face, and you always got to do a good job. But if you can't do a good job, as long as you get on with everybody, you're fine. Yeah. Well, it's 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 a mini world, you know. It, it, everyone's got to get along, and you've got to you've got to do what you got to do. And each contract has different challenges. You've, as you said, you've many managers in, in a short space of time, and you just have to, you know, it's adaptability. I'm sure. I think I think adaptability is one thing. I think that you learn because you have to be adaptable. You know. Yeah, that's true. Because I'm. I think the older I've got, uh, the more you get into your comfort zone, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, of course. You don't, you... It becomes so much harder to make changes on the, on the fly, you know? Yeah, it's, no, yeah. Don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a change of pace. Yeah, you have to kind of like, it takes a bit of time to adjust to it. Yeah, for sure. I, I guess you could say if you're a bit younger in ships, it might be a, an easier like way to adapt to things. But as you get older, I guess, like, as you get older, you're more used to certain things. So you don't want so much change. But on ships, it changes all the time, you know? Yeah, well, I also found that uh, there's, a, there's a mindset, you know? It's, yeah. a, it's a like 20 to 40-year-old kind of mindset. Yeah. 
you know, um, the majority of people there are in their twenties. Yeah. They're super ambitious. Um, they will do anything to move ahead. Yeah. Uh, and, and the older you get, you have to become wiser, you know? So yeah. if I had stayed on ships from the year 2000, yeah, I'd have been okay. You know, I'd have been dealing yeah. with, no, totally. But because I because I'd gone off and turned my brain to stone as a security guard, and then suddenly you get onto a ship and you have to start using your brain. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, a, not, it's so not so easy to make those changes. Yeah, you gotta get you got you gotta get that grey matter working again. You gotta you gotta you gotta figure out you know yeah. this 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 this. Whereas I'm sure you're like an eagle. You're watching things all the time. You're making sure you know everything is as it should be. You know, make sure if there's something at a place you're like, why is that? You know. You see, with uh, production, it's a problem-solving position. It's all about solving problems. Okay, yeah. so so the sound isn't working. Why? Yeah, yeah. You have exactly. to yeah, yeah. why it's not yeah. working, and you got to fix it. You know. Yeah. But with lighting, you have a two-tier uh, type of job. One yeah. is problem-solving, and yeah. the other is creating. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Is a, is a very strong creative element to it because yeah. you have to interpret. Uh, all, all your guest entertainers that come on, if he's a musician, you've got to interpret every song into lights. For sure, yeah. You have, yeah, to, create, yeah. You have to create the mood of the song. Yeah. And it's got to be yeah. spot on. I mean, yeah. I mean you, can't have a, you can't have a sad song with, with, with yellow flashing lights. You know, it's got to <laughs> yeah, be like yeah, blue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got to know how to create the mood, you know? Yeah, totally. That, no, yeah. That's really... It's really the bottom line. So, so that's the reason why I, I liked lighting. I was very good at it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just couldn't deal with the stress eventually. Yeah. Uh, people were small things, and I'd, I'd lose the head. You know. Yeah, and that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not acceptable. You know. Yeah. So, the minute you lose your head, you've lost all the gains you've made. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I so, know it is. Uh, it's, it, is it, that, it can be you know stressful but yeah some people deal with it like very well and others i've had my moments yeah, totally. I, i'll put my hand up i'll tell you I, i've had moments where I, I haven't dealt with certain situations but you learn you learn from those situations and and hopefully it makes you better but you know you can't please everybody that's what it is it's a job you get you've got to be you're in, a, you're in a job where you have to like please people and keep keep your nose clean and sometimes it's hard to do that you know yeah i just find that um you know i i, I don't think i'm suitable for a theater environment because yeah. the strength gets to me eventually, you know. Well, it, I, I I don't uh, deal with things in a calm way eventually. So yeah. Well, at least at least with, with, at least with, with this uh, new like off ships and you have a, you're looking at the, the truck driving. You, you that's a you, that can be an individual solo kind of job, and and you're just given projects to do or, or jobs like to do, and you just do them. You don't have anyone telling you sitting beside you holding your hand. Maybe to train you do, but. Eventually, you'll be on your own. You'll be on the road. You'll be getting to see Ireland or even Europe if you travel further afield, you know? Well, I'll put it this way. As a truck driver, I, I can only relate to it insofar as my experience as a long-distance driver and a tour guide mm. and a chauffeur. Yeah. From the time that you get your, your day's work, yeah. there are very strict rules. There are, there are very strict rules that are uh, applied by the EU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for you to comply to the law, you know. So, uh, you if if you follow all of those rules, and if you do what your boss tells you to do, yeah. you generally find that you you should have 
quite a lot of time on your own in the cab with a lot of changing scenery around you as you're driving along. Yeah. So that 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 would give me the relief of uh, having to get to a certain place by a certain time to deliver my product. Mm. You know. Yeah. At least there's I'm I'm not in the same building with my boss. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You have that autonomy. You have that. You have that. Like you know, you can do your own thing as long as the job is done. You know. Yeah. Well, as as long as I follow the rules, I don't break the rules. Yeah. You know, if I if I don't crash the vehicle, if yeah. I if I at least exactly. at, at least forget the at, at more or less yeah. the same time that I'm yeah. supposed to. Uh, if I don't uh, get speeding fines or yeah. some other stupid thing yeah that'll be fine man you know yeah yeah yeah, be yeah, fine. yeah a lot of truck drivers and bus drivers will come to you and they'll say it's very stressful yeah now i'm not sure how stressful it's going to be uh, i'm sure there's going to be stresses that i have to deal with at least my boss isn't in in the cab with me you know yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah yeah good stuff man i can i can kind of work alone you know yeah. When when you came to me and said that uh, somebody had offered you uh, a possible position on the ships uh, working in shops, yeah. Can you remember what I said to you? Yes. Well, basically, from what I remember, you just said, just give it a go. I know it's not what you want, but you know, you could meet yeah, people and you can guess, yeah. uh, you know, contacts on board. That didn't happen, but eventually, I just the same. The same agent also hired for entertainment role. So I was kind of fortunate in that way as well. Yeah, but uh, for people that might be listening to this and are thinking of going to work on a ship, I would say if you have any kind of experience in the field that you want to go into, yeah, try and go into that first. Then when you're on a ship, look around at the other jobs that you might have more interest in doing and try to go across into those jobs either on the ship or meet meet the managers and listen to what they have to tell you you know yeah it's not easy for people to get onto ships in some countries like the philippines or india they have uh agents that are well known for getting people onto, yeah. onto ships yeah work through the agents uh and once you're on a ship you might find other avenues that you want to explore your first ship to get onto your first ship is going to be the hardest part for anybody who wants to go and go and work on ships. Yeah. After that, you're okay because yeah. you start building up, building up a knowledge of how the ships work. Exactly. The, yeah. Start getting to know people. Yeah, ex- exactly. The ships, the first time you're on board a ship is it's, it's a surreal experience because it's, it's something you're not used to, you know, there's a lot, a lot of change that goes on. And then when you're on your second contract, no matter if that's a different company, you have an idea of what to expect. So you're, you're, you're less kind of uh, wary of, of what to expect. You're kind of like, okay, I can, I, I can handle this, you know? But also I'd say people have to look at uh, why they want to go and work on a ship. You know, if uh, there's, there's, there's lots of different reasons why people want to go on ships. But if you want to go and just travel around and see see the world, yeah, not make very much money, mm-hmm. you know, working in shops is the easiest job you can do because you're you're off when you're in port. Yeah, you can go on, you can go on shore, you can go into all, all the ports and have a good yeah, time. Yeah, no, definitely. I got I, I got a lot of time uh, in port to shops because again, they can't open the shops in the, in port, so you got exactly. that have that free free exactly. time to do do things. 
you know, if you're a waiter or if you're a waitress or if you work in the kitchens or if you're a, a, a cabin steward, forget yeah. about it. You're not going to get off very much. You're going to yeah, work yeah, your yeah. ass off yeah, all the time. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Coming home with some money, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what they're on the board. They're trying to make money for home to maybe they might have a mortgage. They might have family at home. You just, everyone has a different, a different story. Some people have, are, are married and they're on board the ship. Some people are engaged. Some people have homes that pay, that pay mortgage off and they're making money on ships to pay for those. Well, you know, when I started at P&O, I had exactly 10 euro in my account when I started. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was a make or, it was a make or break. It was, it was like, I, I need this to work out. Yeah. 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 I had zero money left when I, when I went on. And the good thing was that I could work for the month. I didn't have to pay for anything. You know, you, all your food is free, uh, your accommodation's free, everything else. And then I slowly started to build up some sort of saving. But now I find with this COVID, um, I've got to dig into all of those savings now. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, there's no, there's no steady flow of income coming in. Yeah, Gary, it's been emotional as it always is. You know, we we always have a lot to talk about. It's great to like get like down and dirty, as I say. You know, just like get the nitty gritty. Sometimes it's more gritty with you, Gary. <laughs> Sometimes it's very gritty, you know. But that's it. That's that 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 that's real. That's the real world, you know. Always interesting, nonetheless. And I hope people. Listening in will find you interesting and, and, you know, you're very forthright and honest and, and that's what I respect you, you know. But, uh, it's always a pleasure with you, Shane. It's always a pleasure with you. I enjoy your company. You too, man. But listen, um, your, your podcast is going to grow. It's going to get big and strong and you're going to be like Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah, just keep working hard you know yourself i don't know just, just it's it's it has to start somewhere you know but i i just want to get as much um time all right man i'm gonna, I'm gonna let you go and I'll, I'll talk to you soon okay yeah i'll see you around shane thanks all, a lot man all right man, take it easy yeah yeah you have a good evening yeah yeah i'll see you okay cheers bye-bye see ya and that was a good friend of mine gary ellebeck um always an interesting kind of take on life and lots of stories and he, he's a very interesting kind of a uh, character that's why i brought him on and i want him on from the start and i hope you liked what you heard today guys my name is shane and this is heartlines and remember you're always welcome on heartlines bye bye